Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat them up. Enjoy it. like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling, whatever show, movie, song, or tech we just can't get out of our heads. And in addition to those picks, this week we'll be talking about the number one movie in America, Hidden Figures. But before we get started with all that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question, do you have a favorite protest song? Lucas, why don't you start us off? I am Lucas Wright. I'm a designer in the Bay Area, and my favorite protest song is the only one I ever learned to play on the guitar. It's Bob Dylan's Blowing in the Wind. That sounds very much like you, Lucas. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, protest songs... Oh, I should introduce myself first. I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media <laughs> manager in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, protest songs are not a genre of music I'm super familiar with, but it is one that I want to become more familiar with. Um, recently, Rebecca Ferguson was invited to perform at Donald Trump's inauguration, and she said the only way she would perform is if she could perform the song Strange Fruit, which is a protest song about the lynchings that, uh, that took place in the earliest 20th century in our country. And so, um, that really kind of made me, got me thinking about like, wow, protest songs are a really important piece of art that I'm not super familiar with. The one that I know now that I've been seeing that came out this past year, or what I would consider a protest song is Freedom from Beyonce's Lemonade album. Um, that I think mm, is the most yeah. powerful song on that record. And it really sticks with me and has, and it gets me, it, I find it empowering and, um, uh, yeah, so I I love that one in particular. I'll call that the protest song of the decade. Okay, I like it. We'll I'll just take it. we'll just call it now. We still have three years left, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, I take that back. In the next three years, we could get some good protest That's songs. Very very true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that oh, is a man. great point. <laughs> All right. Well, Lucas, what are you feeling this week? Um. Well, kicking it off, I will have the the unpopular opinion of feeling Sherlock season four. We finally got season four after, what is it, three years off the air or something like that? Um, All those damn Hobbit movies. Delayed. I know, delayed. right? Who who would have thought that Sherlock would outlast the Hobbit movies? <laughs> <laughs> I, I am so glad that... Well, they were both in the Hobbit movies, and now right. they're both in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So... We're, these guys just love working together, is what it seems like. So hopefully in the future we will see Do both of them we're together. Do you see Martin Freeman again in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I mean, I have comic book knowledge, so I will oh. just not okay. say anything. But I, mean, I, I don't think that's a big spoiler. If that's <laughs> it's it's not a big spoiler. That I just don't want to go into it. Okay. But I will also say you don't hire someone like Martin Freeman for like five minutes of screen time. I mean, in in one movie. Okay, that's fair. In one movie. So we'll see him. We'll see him again. <laughs> okay. But um, so Sherlock, Sherlock season four. This 
is something I think a lot of people looked forward to for a long time. And I don't think this was their strongest season, which is why a lot of people are disappointed. But I feel like getting to see them kind of work through a lot of the tensions that you know, happened last season. There's a, uh, all, a lot of seasons have ended on a cliffhanger and getting to kind of flesh that out here in the, what is it? Four and a half hours that we get this series is, was awesome. It really was. Um, and I, 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 I say new Sherlock is not as good as old Sherlock, but better than no Sherlock. So, um, you, you, have you seen any of Sherlock? I know I've seen the first two seasons. I might have watched the third. I don't really remember what happens in all of them, so I can't mm-hmm. remember how much I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I really loved the first season, and one of the critiques I've heard, Lucas, currently of Sherlock is that, you know, the first season used to be about solving a mystery each episode, and mm-hmm. now it's like this grand scheme of like plot and and twists and and it's not as much about detectives solving little individual cases correct i definitely feel like they've they've felt like they've had to up the ante each episode in each season um and so all of a sudden now it's i mean you can't really go back to just solving one (laughs) you know one little case um the the second episode of this season does that a little bit. It it steps it back, um, only to set up more stuff for the third episode. But that is, I think, one of the strongest episodes um, of the series in general. Is the second episode where where they are kind of going back to um, just regular crime, solving crimes, <laughs> um, just being a detective and that kind of thing. And it also, I think, this season there isn't. Um, so much a focus on outside villains. It's a lot more looking internally and looking at these characters that we've gotten to know over really over seven years, but really not that many episodes um, and kind of finding out a little bit more about them and a little bit, a little bit more about how their brains work and how they, how they love and how they grieve. And I thought that was just a really neat thing to see. Uh, it didn't all, it didn't always hold up, but it was something that I really loved about this show. So Hopefully more Sherlock. <laughs> um, the creators have said that this could be the end, but they want more. So it's kind of this ongoing thing, I think, with Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch that, you know, if they're around, if they have time, they'll make more. If not, who knows? So yeah, we shall see. You know, I'll tell you, Lucas, the Sherlock corners of Tumblr are a dark, <laughs> dark place that I stay away from. <laughs> oh, why? It's hard to explain the culture of, like, certain Tumblr fandoms, but there are certain fandoms on Tumblr that get very intense and large, and when that happens, they become these breeding grounds for some really just, like, dark hate-filled things and so like that is kind of what sherlock has become in in that part of the internet really um i know when i watched sherlock tumblr wasn't a big part of my viewing experience of it and my enjoyment of it but Mm -hmm. my knowledge of that community has kind of tainted (laughs) <laughs> whether I w- I'm interested in it continuing the show, if that makes any oh, sense. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I guess you could kind of equate it to, like, if a certain comic book or, like, TV show 
gained this massive following on Reddit, but then, like, the comment threads were just filled with, like, really hate-filled discussions. You know, like, how... Yeah, yeah. That would, like, be really big of a turnoff. Yeah. So, well, remind me to stay off Tumblr, so... (laughs) (laughs) It's just an interesting pocket of that internet, you know? Yep, yep. They're out there. Yep. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, Sandra, what are you feeling this week? This week, I'm feeling something that essentially I've talked about on the podcast before. Um, So, when we... Months and months ago, when the election was... Not too tiring on all of us. Um, I recommended a podcast called Keeping It 1600, hosted by several people who used to work for President Obama and the White House. They were speechwriters, policy advisors, you know, guys that had worked closely with him and now had a podcast where they talked about the election. Um, I have been keeping up with that podcast throughout this entire election and, um, after the election, and at the start of the new year, the guys announced that they would be starting a new podcast and leaving Keeping 1600. Keeping at 1600 was part of the Ringer Network, um, owned by Bill Simmons, and these guys wanted to start their own media company and host a podcast, their podcast, on their own terms. Um, And so this new version of, which is basically the same podcast they've been hosting, is called Pod Save America. And it's hosted by their new media company, which they've started, which is called Crooked Media. Um, And so I'm just a big fan of these guys. I love hearing their thoughts on Trump and um, politics in this country. And after Trump was elected, Part of the reason they kind of started this media company is because they felt this strong urge to really get active and involved. You know, they're retired from working in the White House and they had a podcast. It's kind of just like this side hobby and they each had jobs in Silicon Valley or L.A. And after the election, they thought, you know, this isn't a hobby anymore for us. This is we need to switch our careers back to getting engaged in politics and inspiring people and giving people information and ideas. And um, I really appreciate their message and their information that they have and, and the access to a lot of people that are working as journalists or as politicians or as policy writers um, in Washington today. And having those people on the podcast and hearing from them is I think really special and important. Yeah. I got, I gotta say, I love pod save America. I, I think it's an upgrade from I do too. Uh, keeping it 1600 and I love si- keeping it 1600. I think, I think this is a more structured show and I think they're really pumped and ready to go. And I, I love the people that they've brought on. I think they're getting interviews with really interesting people who have really unique points of view. Um, and I'm really excited to see where this goes. Yeah, one of the things I really love about their new revamped version of Pod Save America is um, I feel like they're a little bit more or free to be themselves. You know, mm-hmm. in Keeping It 1600, they were on someone else's network, and I feel like they felt a need to kind of um, be a little bit more polished or... Um, Professional, polished and professional aren't the right words, but I feel in this new version, they are 
feel a lot more comfortable showing their own personalities and Mm -hmm. they've built up this um like rhythm now that they've been doing a podcast for several months um that is really flourishing in this new version yeah they don't have to cater here they don't have anyone to answer to it's all them doing their own thing that's why we're not on a network so we can do on our own thing (laughs) exactly come on that's (laughs) yeah um and Another reason that I really love this podcast, in addition to like how insightful I think it is and helpful and how it makes me um, inspired to like do things for this country, is that um, I just really like these guys. Um, It kind of is annoying to me how much I like these like, they're called Obama bros, you know, they're such like (laughs) bro-ish guys. And that's usually, you know, not the kind of um, like people I look for in my entertainment, but I really enjoy their personalities. I enjoy their friendship with one another. They're obviously very close. Um, I, I know that like Tommy Vitor and John Lovett used to be roommates in Washington together when they worked in the White yeah. House and that like John Lovett and, and um, John Favreau are next door neighbors. And um, I follow them on Snapchat. They can do Crooked Media on their Snapchat. And, you know, they're working at John Favreau's dining room table. Like, that's their home base <laughs> right now. You know, I've gotten very invested in the personal lives of, like, the, <laughs> the people that host this podcast. Uh. Um, so that's just, like, kind of an added bonus. It's not the reason I listen, but it, it, it makes it a little bit more fun. Um, but like you mentioned, Lucas... Um, in their very first episode, they have really, really great guests. In their very first episode, they had um, Tamika Mallory and Linda Sarsour. Sarsour? Sarsour. Uh. I think it's Sarsour. <laughs> I think is how it's pronounced. Saucer. Saucer. Thank you. <laughs> Linda Saucer. Apologies. Yeah. Um, they're some of the organizers of the women's March on Washington. And it was really wonderful to hear from them directly about this March and like what inspired them to do it and what the March stands for and how to get involved. Um, And now I'm going to use this as just a little jumping off point to say, if you are um, in a major city, I would really, really encourage you to look up and see if there is a march going on the day after Inauguration Day that is standing in unity with the Women's March in Washington. If Unless you're planning on going to Washington, which that would also be awesome. Um, I know here in Nashville, there's a march that's happening. I'm really excited about participating in it. Um, this, I think, is a really great way to kick off this new administration and really send a big message. And I think if you have been listening to us talk about politics or you're listening to Keeping It 1600 or Pod Save America and you're frustrated and you want to get involved, like it's a new year, like this is a great way to get going. Um, And you'll probably meet a lot of really interesting people in your community that um, are very active and involved in um, like the political atmosphere in your community. And that's a great way to find Ways to help out. So I would recommend people looking into that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm 100% behind all of that. <laughs> well, um, and yeah, and like I said, check out Pod Save America. I really wanted to talk about it again on here because um, they didn't get to tell their Keeping It 1600 audience, you know, that they were moving. You know, they were able to do so on Twitter, but unless people followed them on Twitter, 
they might not have heard about it. So um, I wanted to let anyone who started listening to Keeping It 1600 on our recommendation um, know that there's a new place that they're talking at, and it's really, really great. There you go. Check it out. All right. Let's now talk about Hidden Figures. All the kids eating ice cream with their cousins. I was studying while you was playing the dozens. Don't act like you was there when you wasn't. Running from the man. Running from the badge. Don't act like you was there when you wasn't. Running for the plans. In the judge's hands. Don't act like you was there when you wasn't. I know they say crawl for you. Yeah. Hidden I saw Hidden Figures today. Today, okay. Today. So very yep. fresh in your mind. Very I saw fresh. It about a week ago, so not quite as fresh. Um, there you go. I have already talked about this movie on the podcast. I loved it. I put it in my top 10 films of the year. Um, so, Lucas, I know that going into this, this wasn't a movie you were like itching to see. You know, I, I think it wasn't right. one of your priorities for the year. What made right. you go see it? And what did you think of it? So I, this was definitely one that I wanted to see, but I didn't think it would be in my top 10 um, of, of 2016. So I, I, I prioritized it lower on the list. <laughs> um, but this was one that, that my wife really, really, really wanted to see um, and thought it might be on her top 10 list of 2016. So we, we saw it today and... Oh man, it was a good movie. It oh. was fun. And I like I I knew it would be good. I knew it would be good because everybody says it's good. <laughs> yeah. But I just thought it was so much fun watching watching these women on screen. Um I mean this this movie stars I always forget Janelle Monáe's name. I always, it always like <laughs> takes me just like half a second to say Janelle Monáe every single time. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> this stars uh Janelle Monáe Octavia Spencer and Taraja P. Henson. And those three have a lot of fun together. And yeah. you can tell. <laughs> they are three that you are your positive offset. They are hanging out all the time. <laughs> um, but this, this movie really interested me because when you see a movie about the 60s and about black people, you there there's gonna be like there's gonna be racism in it. There's, it's, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but a lot of what happens in this movie isn't overt racism. I mean, obviously that's there too, but a lot of it is, you know, that's just the way the system is. And, you know, sorry, this is, you know, I, it, I, I can't, I can't help anything. You know, I'm just whatever, but I'm just, you know, presenting, I'm just presenting the, the situation as it is, as opposed to trying to change the system or having any, um, I guess, feelings of negativity. There's a, I, I guess today, today, Martin Luther King day, there's been a lot of talk on Twitter and stuff about the white moderate and just how, if it's like this, if, if you're not with us, you're against us kind of situation. You can't be moderate and accepting of the status quo. Like exactly, exactly. And that is a lot of, I felt like what this, this movie dealt with, which is not what I was expecting and not something that I've seen in a lot of movies. Um, you have a lot of white characters who aren't mean, who actually like the main characters and are, I mean, in some ways rooting for them, but also aren't <laughs> fighting for them, mm -hmm. aren't actually doing anything productive to help, you know, advance them. Um, 
And that I thought, I, I thought that was really interesting. It was really interesting to see. One of my favorite parts of this movie was there's a quote. Um, is it from Kirsten what Dunst? Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know what I'm, you know where I'm know. going here. I yeah. Mean, so Kirsten, one Kirsten Dunst is in this movie, um, I adore <laughs> which also. is awesome. And I didn't know going into it. Uh, I had missed if she's on any promotional material. I had completely missed that. But one of the things she says to Octavia Spencer is. No, Dorothy. Despite what you may think, I have nothing against y'all. I know. I know you probably believe that. And then she just walks out. <laughs> and that is that is like the perfect, the perfect like encapsulation of like what this movie is. It's yeah. so many people just saying, I really have nothing against you. And Every all of all of our antagonists are all of our protagonists in this movie are saying, I know you probably believe that. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, Lucas, because that is, I think, the most powerful moment in the movie for me, especially in today's culture in Trump's America. Like that is a really, really powerful thing to say that. Yeah, there are a lot of people that are convinced that they're actions their beliefs are not harmful and that that is even just because you think that's the case does not make it true um and so yeah that's there are so many things about this movie that are really important today um and that was one that i think stands out the most mm -hmm. yeah how did you feel about the movie overall overall i really loved it you know um this is a movie that I think before we saw it, I think all of us kind of wanted to see it. It looked entertaining. It looked like mm -hmm. an important movie, but it wasn't the kind of movie that, you know, we're itching to see that we think is going to make our top tens. It's not from a big time director that we're all excited about. It doesn't look like a beautifully shot, art house film of any kind, you know, um, it looks like a popcorn movie. And, um, I think while those all may be true, it is so well paced. It is incredibly performed. I think without Taraji P. Henson and Octavia Spencer, this movie is nothing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. not just because they're the main characters, but without their performances specifically. Like, mm -hmm. I think a lesser actress would make this movie fall quite flat. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely. This story is so incredibly important that even if this movie was horribly written and horribly shot and didn't have like fun music from Pharrell, like all the other things <laughs> that it has going for it. Um, yeah. The story is so important and like amazing that it would still be something I would be recommending people to go see, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. This, the story of these women who none of us have ever heard about, um, is it's amazing. And, um, you know, I keep seeing things on Twitter about, like, all these, um, like, GoFundMe pages being set up to send young girls to go see this movie. And, like, 
or like to send classrooms full of kids to go see this movie. I know mm-hmm. Octavia Spencer um, bought out an entire screening one night for like anyone who couldn't afford to go see it to go see. Oh, it. that's that's really cool. It is, and it's like, and all those things are so important because I know it's been said over and over again, but representation matters so much because if young girls and especially young black girls can see these women and see how important their roles were, it means that we're going to have a whole generation of women that pursue this as a career because of this movie, very specifically mm-hmm. because of this movie. So it makes a big yeah. difference. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the thing I, I, I know I talked about race primarily, but just the, also the, the sexism that's, I mean, inherently going to be involved yeah. in a movie like this. Um, I, I loved that that wasn't super, um, I guess specific either. It wasn't like, Oh, all of the, you know, all, all of the people who are coming on race are also just piling on sexism. I mean, you even have, uh, so, like some of the black men who are, you know, very much against the racism that's happening are also being sexist and that gets called out as well. Yeah. And there's just specific moments that, um, there's not good guys and bad guys. It's yeah. <laughs> you, 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 you just have to have conversations. And that's what was cool about this movie. It was just the conversations that happen are, are real. Yeah. They're awesome. You know? So. Yeah. And like you mentioned, like our main characters, they're fighting against, the one two punch <laughs> of racism and sexism all at the same time. You know, um, one moment she's having to like, you know, not drink out of the same coffee pot as other people in her office because she is a black person and the rest of the people in the office are white. And so, and then an, another moment she's not allowed into a room because she's a woman. And it's, and it's just like, coming at them at both ends and <laughs> yeah. it and it is so it, one thing about this movie is even though it's very entertaining and it's you know rated pg and it's meant for families to go see it is a maddening movie to watch it is you know you watch it and you're just angry in so many points and frustrated and um I I have a hard time calling it a feel good movie, even though it's very much marketed as that. Yeah, I liked the movie a lot. It's it's definitely not one that I that would have made my my top ten of two thousand sixteen, but I think it's probably one of the more important movies to see. Yeah, for sure. And I'm really excited that it uh, is holding on at the box office. Yeah. Um. Let's talk about supporting players in this movie. Um. Yes. We have um, Kevin Costner doing solid work. Um, this is like his jam. Yeah. This is like exactly where he wants to be now. Yeah. <laughs> um, this type of movie, um, in this type of supporting role, he's the good, mean guy who's always like, <laughs> yeah. just kind of he's, he's he's he can never do anything wrong, but everyone's also just always afraid of him. Right. Super macho, that kind of thing. I read an interest, or I listened to an interview with the director of this film. And um, originally, he was looking to cast someone much younger in that role because apparently in the 60s, everyone that worked at Na- all the men that worked at NASA were under 40. Um, it was a oh, very wow. like young group of men 
um, doing work. But then Kevin Costner became interested in the role, and I think yeah. then you, you, you're like, oh, actually, he'd be of great course. in this, and it's really great for our movie. So it, it's like if Bill Murray shows up, you just automatically just give him a role. It's like, yeah. it's like, yep, absolutely, well, you can do it. Of Bill Murray, this director's previous film was Saint Vincent, starring Bill Murray. Right. So he had right. just recently yep. worked with him. Yeah. Um, we have Jim Parsons playing a a, a villainous character. <laughs> um, how do you how do you feel about Jim Parsons? I'm assuming you're not a Big Bang Theory guy. You know, <laughs> I watched probably the first two seasons of Big Bang Theory when they were coming out and enjoyed mm-hmm. them. Um, and since then, have never not really watched it, and it's not my cup of tea. The stuff that I've seen right. of it, um, I will say this. I really love all of the actors in Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're all like super talented. I think they're just kind of stuck in this show that makes them yeah. oodles of cash. And yep. so, <laughs> so I don't feel bad for them. But right, right. Um, I really love Jim Parsons. I really love, um, I think his name is Simon Helberg. Yeah. Um, I think he is a really great actor. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, so I, I enjoy him and I thought he was good in this movie. Yeah. I, I definitely liked him. I've, I think he might be one of the weakest of the, (laughs) the people in this movie, which isn't a bad thing. There's so many great people in this movie, (laughs) but, um, I, I just think, I just think I enjoyed everyone else more than him. Sure. Um, we also have, um, Marsh. Oh, damn it. I had it and then I lost it. (laughs) Mahershala Ali. Thank you, Lucas. <laughs> You're helping me all tonight. Um, no problem. We have him in this movie, and let me tell you, you know he's having a great year. Obviously, this is this is it, man. This is his year. <laughs> he was unrecognizable. I mean, I knew who he was. He wasn't unrecognizable, but his performance in this movie was unrecognizable when you compare it to his role in Luke Cage. You know, like. That's true. I forgot Luke Luke Cage was this year as well. Yeah. It's, yeah, he's having a he's having a great year. <laughs> he's having a real great year. It's hard to believe even that that's the same actor. Like Oh yeah. They, they yeah. they're such separate performances and um I think he's so magnetic in both of them. Um mm-hmm. he's just a dreamboat in this movie. Like and that's very yeah. much all he needs to be. I I kind of yep. love also that we have this incredible actor who's like in moonlight and in luke cage having these like meaty roles and in here he just gets to be a dreamboat that doesn't do much <laughs> other than that and it's like yeah he's dreamy let him have these roles as well i want him to do yep. it all he's the manic pixie dream dream guy here he's perfect I, mean, I wouldn't call him that but <laughs> i wouldn't either but i mean i mean i want him to be <laughs> would love to see him be a manic pixie dream boy let me tell you that's a role he's waiting to play oh yeah (laughs) but yeah he was wonderful in this as well um i also really love the actor that played janelle monae's husband aldous hodge yeah um he was in a show i used to adore called leverage um, yeah, you watched Leverage. Oh, I yeah. loved Leverage. Lucas, it's the heist TV show. Of course I watched Leverage. I think we're the only two people in the world who watched oh, Leverage. <laughs> I'll tell you, Leverage Tumblr is a fun place. Oh, that's a thing? Yes. Oh, man. There's a Tumblr for everything, isn't there? Yeah, there's a whole community for every TV show. Oh, man. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, so 
I get really excited whenever I see him pop up anywhere now. Um, I I wish his career was a lot bigger than it is um, because he was one of the most fun parts of Leverage. He's been in two diehard movies playing two completely different characters. So he definitely was in Straight Outta Compton, which was like a big movie that year. So like, I forgot he was in that. Yeah. yeah. Um, So I hope to see a lot more from him. Yeah. He's moving on up. Yes. Yes. Um, and of course we, we already mentioned it, but I really adore Kirsten Dunst. Um, I think she's just like such a great actress and I really love the project she picks. Um, and so seeing her as sort of a villainous character, um, was also really a fun turn in this movie. I'm trying to think she, I feel like she did something else this year or this year. I keep saying this year as if it's still 2016, Fargo, but, right? uh, that was the Fargo has been off for like a full year. Oh, so that was 2015, um, in 2006. Oh, she did a uh, midnight special. Oh, did you see I that movie? See that movie. Okay. She's like fantastic. Yeah. She plays, uh, Michael Shannon's wife in that movie and kills it. Yeah. She plays like a an ex like a cult child uh, whatever okay. who grew up in a cult kind of a thing yeah. she's she's phenomenal she's a phenomenal actress she really is. and i cannot wait to see her in she's in a bunch of new stuff coming out i think this year and next year but i know she's in she's great sophia coppola's new movie but i don't remember what that is uh is it the beguiled i think that sounds right with ellie fanning right yes Elle fanning yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah okay is there other things that we want to talk about Pharrell how do you feel about Pharrell Lucas I'm not a huge Pharrell fan I thought his I was when this when I first saw the trailer of this movie with his music I was like this is not gonna work out well (laughs) but I liked it I thought it fit well um it was sparingly you also get a a score um I think from Hans Zimmer yeah which I think the score for the most part was forgettable, but the songs I thought fit really well and were fun and kept the movie upbeat. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I liked, I liked it. I didn't think it was anything crazy, but I thought it was his, his, uh, his songs were a lot of fun. Yeah. One thing um, I want to bring up, this is just kind of a, a article that I saw um, earlier today was that um, hidden figures is the first movie with multiple female leads to remain number one since 2011, um, that movie was The Help in 2011. So, oh, yeah. Octavia Spencer yeah. keeping keeping these movies afloat. Yeah, and so it's that's really exciting to hear that like it's doing so well. I mean, it's also yeah. discouraging to hear that it is such a weird thing. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, but hopefully, you know, when things like this are a big success, then it'll happen more often. So, um, yeah, just the fact that this is a movie with not just a female-led movie, which I feel like we have a lot of those recently. You know, we've had Finding Dory this year. We've had Mm -hmm. Star Wars. Rogue One. Rogue One, all the Hunger Games movies. And we have female-led movies. But having multiple women as protagonists is something that we don't get very often. You know, we just saw with Rogue One, you have one female character in a group of men in any in every scene. Um, and to have these this movie really focus on these women's stories and not just one in a sea of men, I think is really special. Um, this piece just came out, this like mathematician did a thing where she took the 
top 10 grossing movies of 2016 and um, calculated all the lines of dialogue in those movies. And 27% of the speaking lines in the top 10 movies of 2016 went to women. And so it, there's. And, and Finding Dory, who was like the only one that was above 50% of the speaking lines, most of those were done by one woman, exactly. which was Dory. Yeah. So. And the same thing goes for like Rogue One, where like mm-hmm. 70%, I think it was like 76% of the female speaking lines are all to one character. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's. Even though it is exciting to have a movie like Rogue One or movies like The Hunger Games where the main character is a woman. I'm so glad that that's the case. It is still not equality. And I I know that a lot of men probably feel like it is. And it's, it certainly <laughs> is not. Um, so all that to say, that is one thing that I love about this movie is that it has multiple women's stories, and then they get to speak a lot. You know? <laughs> and to each other. Yes, and to each other. Um, yeah. yeah. And but yeah, you did get to see three different women going through three different, I guess, versions of kind of the same experience. But it got it, you got to see it from different points of view yeah. there in different routes, which was really cool. Yeah. You know, yeah, they were the, these women were friends and they worked at the same place, but their stories are unique. And so mm-hmm. um and they're all important. You know, Katherine Johnson in this movie is the lead character and is the main story, but um it it's so nice that this movie is about all three women and not just the Katherine Johnson story. Um, which yep. I think would have been a story that would have been tempting to just tell by itself. Yeah. All right, so we're going to jump into spoilers, but it won't be very long because um, there's not a, a ton about this movie that, you know, we need to talk in spoilers. Um, I it's all real be, events. Really so. quickly, before we go into spoilers, I just want to say um, I love this movie. Everyone should go see it. And as soon as I saw the movie, there was a deal on Amazon for the book of Hidden Figures was like $2. I don't know if that deal still still exists, but even if it do- doesn't, um, I recommend people go buy this book. I, I haven't started it yet, but I'm excited to. It's going to be the first book I start this year. Um, I'm really excited to learn all of the details that the movie couldn't fit in. Um, and so I recommend people look that up as well. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Now, cracking gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. Okay, so one of the spoiler things I wanted to bring up was just kind of the ending. Um, and how it was kind of manipulated for like that movie magic ending scene. That exciting, you know, finale. Um, mm-hmm. I listened to, like I said, uh, an interview with the director, and he was talking about the ending. And one thing that I found really interesting was that he said in the last w- approximately one third of the movie, almost all of the dialogue was verbatim from NASA transcripts. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. And I don't know, you know, he said that, I don't know how accurate that claim is because 
that's like a, a pretty bold claim. But I, <laughs> what he means by that is that mm-hmm. he really read a lot of dialogue and was trying to stay very, very true to the things people were saying right. to each other um, in that last part of the movie. Um, he said the big diff. He said, you know, John Glenn calls um, at the end of the movie and asks mm-hmm. specifically for like Catherine to work on the numbers. Right. Um, and the director said that like, I'm going to butcher it because I don't have it in front of me. But he said that the exact quote from John Glenn um, was get the girl on it. If she says the numbers are good, then I'm good to go. Um, okay that that was that was something i was i that was the probably the one thing that i was like nah i bet that didn't happen and, <laughs> and he said that is like an exact thing from john glenn that, that, that that's awesome that john glenn had like a great deal of respect for her and was very was confident in the mission if she said all the numbers were good um the big thing that they manipulated however was that it took her three days to confirm all those numbers and not 30 minutes like it does in the movie mm-hmm. right before yeah. he's about to launch, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. And so that's sort of like how they have made that ending into a, a you know, that race to the finish kind of mm-hmm. um, dramatic finale. Um, but yep. it was exciting to hear that, like, that admiration from john glenn was very real and very true that's 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 surprising and awesome yeah Yeah. um i the other thing i guess that i kind of questioned about the ending um was what is or i guess not, not the ending specifically but how much tension she had with jim jim parsons character um i i mean i'm assuming she didn't get along great with everybody in that room, but I'm just curious if he was kind of a main antagonist and kind of the partner that she was working with the closest. Um, But that's, I'm I'm sure you don't have the specific answer for that, but that's just, that was just kind of the thing that I was like, I I bet, I bet that was embellished a little bit, but I get, I I have nothing against the embellishment. This is a movie, but that was probably the one thing that besides the John Glenn stuff that stuck out to me is like, I bet that was a fudge just a little bit. Yeah. I'm really excited to read the book and find out Mm -hmm. what parts were accurate, what parts weren't. You know, she has that big outburst in Mm -hmm. the room. Yeah. That I I would imagine probably didn't happen the way it does in the movie. That that feels like a movie moment. Yeah. A a great emotional movie moment, but definitely not something. That's something that gets you kicked out of NASA if you do that. (laughs) And, you know, like the whole like Kevin Costner make desegregating the bathrooms like that feels like a big thing to embellish so i I, i'm i'm assuming that did happen but maybe not in the way it happens in the movie you know Mm -hmm. with him what taking yeah what i to a sign what i did hear is with the bathroom stuff um going somewhere else to go to the bathroom um from what i remember reading is that was actually janelle monet's character that had that issue oh. of not having a bathroom in her building. Um, but I, and I can see why moving it all to one character makes a lot of sense, yeah, but <clears throat> absolutely. Um, yeah. So there's definitely a lot more that I'm excited to learn about the true story of these women and like the times mm-hmm. they were living in. Um, yep. Another thing that I wanted to bring up that I guess isn't technically, doesn't really 
matter about spoilers, but I, I just remembered it, is um, how cool it was the way he, um, the director, depicted math in this movie and how like, <laughs> math is an important part of this film, you know? Um, yeah. It is a story about these characters, but in order to tell that story, you have to like make math interesting to watch. Um, which is math is one of the least interesting things to watch. And because this movie revolves so much around math, I feel like that's a, an extremely hard problem to solve, but I was, I was definitely intrigued with the, the, whenever, you know, a math portion came up, I guess air quotes around the math portion, but where, you know, she's doing crazy stuff on the whiteboard and stuff like that. Um, or even when like Jim Parsons is explaining, the gravitational pull of the earth and, and what they are trying to solve, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, that kind of stuff still felt fun and intense. Yeah. Like, it, I didn't, I, yeah, I definitely didn't tone out for any of yeah. that. It reminded me a lot of the social network in that when the social network was being made, Tune. I know Tune a lot out. of people were very skeptical about like, how do you make an entertaining movie out of programmers? You know, people mm-hmm. typing on a computer screen, and I, that's one of my all-time favorite movies. And they and those scenes are exciting when they're programming a website or explaining an algorithm to each other, um, drawing equations on glass. Yes, <laughs> and this movie did a lot of like did the same things. It made those scenes. Um, it made it told a story about people instead of mm-hmm. like just a story about math but when it needed to include math it really made it engaging yes definitely i would say one of the other things that stood out to me was because at at the end octavia spencer ends up getting in being put in charge of the ibm machines um and kind of her her group takes over that um and i thought it was really cool that it wasn't it, it wasn't portrayed as oh she got to be supervisor and she got kind of ended up getting put in charge of of you know this core group she worked toward that the entire movie learning CompuServe stuff learning um how to run that machine so that she could have a chance at keeping a job like she's like just how much forward thinking was kind of in place there um also with uh what's her name mary janelle monet's character Yes, yes. Yes. With with her kind of having to work through the court system and stuff like that, trying to trying to just get into a school that would then let her become an engineer. Like there's just so much there, so many hurdles to jump through Um, and just showing that showing that it's not like it's not like you see her want to become an engineer. And then at the end of the movie, she's an engineer. You see the struggle. This whole the whole point of this movie is about like how much initiative and work it takes when everything is stacked against you and how like all of these women with their minds and their talents, if, and this is kind of a quote from the movie, it said, if they had been born white men, without a doubt, they would have been in completely different jobs. They would be the engineers and the heads of those rooms. Mm -hmm. Very simply only because they were women and they were not white. Um, they were in like much lower positions than they should have been. Um, and so, yeah, showing that like, even though that's the case, they had to think 
you know, 10 steps ahead of everyone else they're working with in order <laughs> to just get to like five rungs below them is, you know, yep. again, maddening, but also mm-hmm. very impressive and like inspiring. Yeah. And, and well told. Yeah. I feel like that, that's, a, that's a hard story to tell. Yeah. You know, I keep, I keep, I'm just spouting off every single thing I learned in this interview. with <laughs> But another interesting thing I learned was that um, the book Hidden Figures that was written about these women um, wasn't finished being written when they went to product, pre-production for this movie. Um, the director saw an, uh, an outline of the book, like a book proposal, and... Mm-hmm started making the movie for it right away <laughs> and so he he didn't even get to read the finished book for it and they were already like halfway done through filming by the time the, fi- wow. the book was finished being written um and he presented this story to to raji p henson she was the first person that he called and got attached to this film and he had met her and wanted to work with her and he called and he said, look, here's this story about these women in the 1960s. And she was just immediately said, like, yes, I have to do this movie. Um, like, just this story alone is just so powerful that it really got a lot of people excited. Pharrell grew up in Virginia, um, was super into, like, NASA and is a big feminist. And so, like, he was itching to join this project. All these people were just, like, very, very excited um, yeah, and it, I think it really is what makes this movie so special. Yeah. I've this is I, I'd be curious. You you have not seen Saint Vincent, right? No, I want to though. Yeah, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on Saint Vincent because that's also a really good movie. I've heard good things, yeah, about it. Um, and it, it seems up my alley, and it has Melissa yep. McCarthy in it, who I adore. It does. It does. And she's that's it's one of her best Melissa McCarthy roles. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, cool. That's all I got. That's all I have, too. Go see Hidden Figures. We love it. Absolutely. It's so important. Absolutely. <laughs> and especially, like I said, it's PG. Take every kid that is in your life to go see Hidden Figures. Um, uh, that's, is it PG? Yeah. There's not. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, not, not that there was anything in it, but I just right. haven't seen a PG movie in a long I know. time. And you know, so. <laughs> I am never going to be the type of person that's going to be like, Oh, why they have that profanity or why they have that nudity? Obviously, they, but that's so counter to what I enjoy in film. But I <laughs> do think it is important to tell these stories with like this PG, these PG ratings, because mm-hmm. if parents can feel comfortable taking their kids to go see a movie like this, then it gets exposed to so many more people, and it gets the box office dollars that it's getting right now. And yeah. Like this movie cost twenty five million dollars to make, and its opening weekend it made sixty million, and it's gonna make tons and tons more than that, and largely because it's a PG movie that they can take the entire family to. Yeah, that's true. So that's really important. So take your kids to go see it. Take your parents to go see it. Take everyone. Yes, we <laughs> we loved it. Go see it. All right. Definitely. Lucas, where can people find you online? Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, at Lucas and Stuff. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and Letterboxd, um, all the other places, at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And go follow us on Twitter. Our podcast account is called at Feeling It Pod. 
Um, I'm going to try to tweet out a bunch of the links to things that I've talked about in this episode because there was a lot of different ones. Um, yes. So after we tweet the podcast, as we do every Wednesday morning, I will also tweet those links. So keep an eye out for them because I think they're really great. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people.